Welcome to this topical life. Real conversation, real exploration, real life stories. A discussion about life, cause life ain't a vacation. And now, here's your host, Tiffany Murphy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this topical life tonight. Um, we come to you live, which I'm super excited about. Um, I have an amazing guest, you guys. Um, before I get into that, I just want to let you know, I felt like I should share that I showed up to you tonight um, with a feeling of like, wow, should we all just take a deep breath? Like, literally, just like, <sighs> because if you've had the day that I have had, where I have taught a first grader how to use a computer, you will want to take a deep breath. And I, you know, it's funny because I'm not in a fight or flight position at all in the sense of like nothing um, is tra tragic is happening to me. And yet I feel a lot of stress. And so I can, for all the people out there right now that are feeling just like this weight or just maybe feelings that you don't have never had or don't know where to take. You are in a pandemic right now. And I'm talking to myself as I'm talking to you that this is what you're feeling is real. And, um, and you need to know that, that you can feel validation in knowing that whatever you're feeling is real. And, you know, I wanted to come to you exactly how I've been today. And that is in workout clothes that I never worked out in and a face I didn't wash. Um, I've been home all day and I feel like um, there's some parts of that day where I've wanted to cry. Um, I did not lose a job. Um, yeah, my husband's hours are getting cut a little bit, but um, you know, our kids are healthy. I am healthy. My husband is healthy. Our family's healthy. There's really not a lot to complain about. And yet here I am, I do struggle with anxiety. You guys know that I talk about that a lot. And so while I'm introducing Carrie, Carrie Faith right here, I just, I come in a position of solidarity with those that are struggling and that might feel like they're in a place where they can't even, they're, you know, we're going to get give advice and we're going to hear advice and we're going to embrace your story. And this message is for hope. Um, and that's how you, we want, this is how we present to you this message. And, um, can get me emotional. I met Carrie Faith. Carrie, here she is. She's um, she's not Sarah Jessica Parker. Okay, <laughs> she may look like it, but she's not. Um, but we met actually before COVID hit, and um, I just love who she is and her story, um, which I have not heard. But the but the person she is behind her story and what she's become with her life is super inspiring. Um, Carrie. We're going to start with her story. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself first? And then um, we're going to continue with her story. And then in the end, we're going to talk about just some takeaways that you can apply literally tomorrow, um, literally after you shut down your computer um, that I found to be so valuable. And I'm just so you guys like Carrie, 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 Carrie. Thank you for being here. Tell Thank us about you. yourself. Thank you so much for having me. It really, truly is an honor to be on the Topical Life and simultaneously even serve a greater audience through the Combat COVID-19 on Facebook and YouTube, which I was unexpected. But the more people that I can serve, the happier I will be. And so I think that um, I'll go dive into that and why that makes me happy later on. But thank you, Don, and thank you, Tiffany, for having sure. me on your podcast. So I love that you just came out super real and explained your day today, Tiffany, because I can relate. I have cried today. You did? <laughs> yes. Doing the homeschool within the first five minutes. Yeah, I cried. I had to text the teacher. I've had anxiety throughout the day. Yeah. Um, and I'd have to say I've had some level of stress and not necessarily necessary stress, but I would just say there's underlying stress sure. with an uncertainty. 
So thank you for just coming out real and authentic because I think, I know I can relate with that. And I think everyone that's listening can relate to that. Sure. Um, my brand, my business is named Carrie Faith. And it is named Carrie Faith because that is my name. And it is one of uh, faith, hope, and optimism, I would say. Yeah, I haven't always been uh, optimistic. I haven't always been positive. And I have a lifetime of struggles behind my name. And I always shied away from my middle name. I didn't tell anyone my middle name. I despise my middle name. And I don't know why I did that, but I think that it was such a powerful name that was given to me. And I think that I had a strong purpose and I didn't embrace that till later on in my life. And that's why as a mindset coach and speaker, and author, I help people identify their human strengths and their purpose, because that's how I found more happiness and better health throughout my journey. So did you want me to dive in and start with my story? Carrie, we want to hear all the, all the, all the things, all the things like why your mess became a message, which is something that you speak about. Um, which a lot of people speak about, but, uh, you know, you're doing what you're doing because of something you experienced personally. So yeah, let's like hear the, the nitty gritty. Um, how did you first realize you had anxiety? So not only or depression I, or the whole thing or, you know, whatever that looked like for you. Right. Not only I have two messages. One of them is a mess to a message. And the other one underlying that is that I experienced a lifetime of anxiety. As I mentioned, I was anxious all day and yeah, a lifetime of depression. And so I took me a long time to really know what to do with that and how to live the healthiest life that I could live and live a happy life despite having depression and anxiety. So my anxiety started from the one of my first memories. I was around three years old and I am standing at the front door or near the garage door and I was just screaming or yelling or crying. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to go to school. And yes, I was my parents misery because I didn't want to get in the car and go to preschool. And what you actually, so you remember that you remember that? Well, wow. I don't remember a lot, but 10 remember under 10, but I do remember, um, having severe stomach aches as a kid. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I had stomach aches and I said, I don't want to go to preschool because I have a stomach ache. Yeah. And I didn't want to go to preschool because I was uncomfortable there. I mean, I have very faint memories of preschool, but I do remember not wanting to go to preschool, feeling uncomfortable when I was there at preschool and not really engaging a lot or feeling comfortable playing and just being there. Looking back, I now realize that was my social anxiety. Mm. I didn't feel comfortable socializing as a natural born introvert. It wasn't really comfortable for me to be in big groups or be in social environments. And this carried with me through, you know, kindergarten. I do remember faint um, images of me in kindergarten not feeling connected to people or not playing in big groups or not even wanting to go to kindergarten. Who doesn't want to go to kindergarten, right? And then that carrying through me through grade school and moving in fifth grade and then junior high school. Most people don't like junior high school, but I really didn't like junior high school as being uh, having that anxiety and social anxiety. 
And then in high school, the first day I went to high school, I was ready to run off to college. <laughs> so I always had a plan that I was going to run away to college. And I did um, not necessarily run away, but I was a good student and I came from a very middle to upper class family. My parents did everything right. My dad was an attorney, so he was a workaholic. He wasn't around as much as maybe I would have liked, but my mom was always there for me. And, you know, nothing really to complain about. Besides that, I just felt uncomfortable in my own skin and I had stomach aches my and most of my upbringing which turned to headaches when which turned to headaches i would say around eight to ten i started getting headaches and then the headaches turned into migraines yeah and then it just turned into chronic pain um the migraine migraines and inflammation all sorts of just I was a mess and I'm not perfect now. I'm still quite a mess. Like I told you, I cried today. Yeah. <laughs> I was anxious today and I was stressed today. I think that we are all as humans just trying to figure out life. Now throw this in new lifestyle in the mix and it's just, you know, pulling out your hairs, right? So yeah, well, I literally pull out my hair <laughs> right here like actually becomes a little hairless because I get anxious and that is a problem, but you know, it's, it's been there for, I mean, whatever it's actually, it's tattooed right here, believe it or not. Yeah. So I can relate to actual hair pulling. Um, luckily it is just my eyebrow, but still, yeah, it's a, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Yeah. So, so I think we could talk about that. The behavioral signs that come up maybe, Sure. Um, of, you know, dealing with the anxiety of the moment that we might be doing things that are old habits or, um, you know, nervous energy, because really I've known since a very young age that I was um, very in tune with energy. Mm -hmm. And that's really what a lot of my work is about is that energy and realizing our emotions and our thoughts and our feelings are all energy. And so when we can look at it from an energetic standpoint, we can actually have more control of that. Um, but going back to my story of running away to college, right? I think mm -hmm. that's sort of where I left. What do you say? Why do you say run away to college? Like, <laughs> were you just wanting to like, why that phrase? Like, because, you know, you go to high school. Is it that you were eager to just escape something? Yes. Okay. The idea of escapism. Okay. So once I hit adolescence, I really realized you get a newfound freedom, right? In life where your parents start letting go. And it was a newfound freedom. And through adolescence, with my newfound freedom, I probably picked up on coping mechanisms that were healthy coping mechanisms. And that's sort of what I was talking about, how we could apply it to current day. But sure. I started drinking at a young age. Um, my parents, I think, know about this. Oh, oh boy. Are we outing something here? <laughs> Are we outing? Well, we outing? My, uh, my, my parents knew about this. I'm not sure to the extent or sure. I'm not sure they know all the stories behind that, but I did start drinking at a young age and that's when the escapism started. Right. And then yeah. the drinking turned into, um, smoking. They knew about that too. Like the smoking cigarettes that happened around 18, but it started with other illegal substances. And I was just uncomfortable in my own skin ever since I had been in preschool. Right. So yeah. to feel more comfortable in my own skin, I picked up on these escapism behaviors, which are very unhealthy. Um, and really going back to my youngest 
age is that my parents always told me from one of my earliest memories that I was a very difficult child because I was, I didn't want to go to school. I was a late speaker. So I did have some speech delayed, um, what is that? Developmental like, stages. Yeah. So I was a very slow talker as is was my son. So I see that that is par partially hereditary, but I had delayed speech and no babysitter ever wanted to come back to babysit me because all I did was scream and scream and scream. So I think that I just developed these behaviors and still was supporting the bad stories from my parents telling me that I was difficult. So I went on through life thinking that I needed to live a life with difficulty, really. You and took that, you basically took that on as your identity, essentially. Yes. Yeah. So it was my identity. And when I realized later on in life that I could completely shift my identity, I could completely shift my uh, beliefs, I could completely shift my behavior and be more in control of my own destiny and my own stories because yeah. I didn't have to fulfill the stories that my parents were telling me. But a lot of us don't realize that. A lot of us don't realize how our beliefs, our old stories, our old behaviors show up later on in life. And that's why a lot of people go to the professionals, right? The therapist, because that's where it gets um, uncovered. And yeah. I come from a family that had mental health or mental illness in my past generations. Mm -hmm. So not necessarily your parents my, not did your parents, I mean, my parents didn't suffer anxiety or depression that I know about, but it. their parents did. Mm. And even my grandfather, my paternal grandfather has um, schizophrenia. Mm. So you would think that maybe some of those signs as a child would show up, but Nonetheless, it wasn't ever talked about. It wasn't ever brought into attention. It wasn't ever a subject matter about mental health or about having anxiety or depression because I was born in the 70s, not to date myself, but I'm going to. And I grew up in the 80s and 90s. And it wasn't something that my family wanted to talk about. And it wasn't something that a lot of people wanted to talk about even now, right? We're still, I do see the paradigm shift happening. Thank goodness. But um, it was definitely a stigma, stigma, stigma in the eighties yeah. and nineties. And it was something that my parents never wanted to bring attention to maybe. I'm not quite sure. And I don't blame my parents because you don't know what you don't know. And so I went to college and yes, I said running off to college because I just knew I was a little bit different. And now I know that being different is something to really embrace, right? Mm -hmm. And I just had a different perspective than those people that were around me, I feel like. And I wanted to experience a different lifestyle. As I do now, that's what brought me to Oregon. I just am obsessed with experiencing life and understanding perspectives and um, meeting different people in different places. Because even though we're all alike, we, as many perspectives as there are in the world, or as, as many people as there are in the world, there are that many different perspectives. And I've just been obsessed with learning about perspective. Yeah. Um, so I went off to college at University of Colorado. I'm originally from San Diego, California, and I didn't know how good I had it in San Diego, California. So I had to definitely leave to realize what a good life I had. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, when I went running off, to school at 18, um, everything came, you know, full circle and it all kind of looked me in the face, the anxiety and the depression. And I met a guy, uh, my sophomore year 
And within a few weeks, he started talking to me about his feelings and his emotions and his experiences in high school with being on medication and addictions and behaviors and all sorts of things. And that's when like the light bulb went off, like, oh my gosh, everything that he's telling me about, I have been experiencing my whole life. At that moment, I basically self-diagnosed myself being depressed. (laughs) And I later, a few months later, went to a therapist. So that is a short story of my experience with anxiety and how I finally realized it. It was through listening to someone else that had the exact feelings and thoughts and emotions as I did but there was never a term that was brought to my attention. Yeah. So you were, so those years, I mean, cause that's a long time. I mean, obviously you felt in some sense, you always felt different. Did you feel validated as soon as you heard his story and then you went and got help? And then, I mean, did, was it like a whole new world opened up for you in a way? Because it's like, oh wait, I'm actually kind of normal. Like I have this thing yeah, that I'm going through and I'm suffering from and I can get on meds and I can get support and I'm fine. Like, or like for me, I had, you know, like, so you were like, did you feel validation is what I'm asking? Because for me, when I found out I had um, anxiety and depression, it was almost kind of like something put on me like, oh, you have this. So eh." like I, my identity was kind of the opposite. Like, I took that on as my identity for sure. When I found out I had that for you, it sounds like it was more, oh, thank God I figured it out. <laughs> like, like, what was it for you? Well, at that point, it was, that's a good question. At that point, I wouldn't say that I was validated necessarily, but I felt like my feelings or my like my whole life was explained in one word, (laughs) depression. So it was almost somewhat of a uh, relief, although it wasn't validated because this was 1996 that I met this gentleman and I started dating him and who had severe depression as well and was on meds. So It wasn't like, oh, yay, I finally, it wasn't something to really celebrate because it was still like a hush hush. There was still pain, I think, with my parents and their parents' past, especially with my grandfather that had schizophrenia. There was still amount of shame and don't admit that you are depressed. Fear. Yeah, fear and shame. Yes. So it was fast forward a few months later and it was my second semester of sophomore year. And I took, I signed up for an elective and it was called meditation. So I was in Boulder in Colorado, very um, non-traditional, I would say environment, especially in the 20, in the nineties. So Boulder was still a little bit stuck in the sixties. And it was very new age, I would say, hippie. And so I don't know if colleges now have meditation courses, but I still have the book from that class. It was called Meditation. And I had a guest speaker in that class come in. And so this is why I know that speaking is so powerful. So the guest speaker came in and she guided, had a guided meditation. And it was, that was another one of those aha moments because it integrated a sense of alternatives to find peace and ease Mm -hmm. through spirituality because, and it was a therapist, someone that I called up within hours of her guest speaking so I could book an appointment with her because something just spoke to me in her guided meditation. And my name 
is not really religious based. And that's why I have my name as my brand because it is a spiritual energy that I know that I have that I finally got in touch with through that meditation course. Yeah. So that was the start of your new path of embracing and starting the path, which has gotten you to today of using that energy and that, and a mindset to use those as tools to, you know, get healthy, get to where you want to be. For some people it's to get out of bed. I mean, like, you know, you prep yourself for these kind of things, you know, and day to day to be successful in your mind. So that's why I love, like when you, when I asked you, okay, so how do I label you? You said you're a, you're a mindset coach. And that was like, oh, it was just, it, I immediately already felt just relief, honestly, <laughs> because it is our mind that really does take over. And I don't care what religion you are. It's like, you really do have the ability to control that. And I mean, I, do you mind me asking, do you take medication now? So once I was actually diagnosed with depression, I mm -hmm. spent, gosh, the next 10 years of my life, basically barely getting out of bed. So mm -hmm. I don't wish that upon anyone, but it was my identity. So um, was it the headaches that were keeping you in bed or was it the, just the, the no motivation? It was the depression. The okay. depression was so painful. Those people that have had depression, I don't wish it upon anyone mm -hmm. because it is way more painful, I believe, than any physical pain that I've ever experienced. So, um, it took me a long ways to get from that first diagnosis of depression to where I am, but yeah. I was, um, medicated at 20. I no longer do take medication, but was that your original question about? Yeah. I was just more curious, like kind of backtracking and going forward, but yeah, I kind of wanted to know if medication is part of, was part of your journey as far as getting to this point right now. Yes. Um, and that's always kind of a question to ask in a sense, because a lot of people, you know, are totally comfortable with meds. Some people are totally not comfortable with meds. And so it's just kind of interesting to kind of have that know, like, does that, you know, does that help you? I personally do take meds. Um, I'll never not take meds. Um, but that's a journey for everybody. So that's why I asked that, like, that's a whole thinking of it in and of itself, in my opinion, but just, it was just curious, you know, medication was definitely I, my saving grace mm -hmm. in the sense of when I couldn't get out of bed, when I didn't know how to cope with the anxiety, when I mm -hmm. didn't know how to get myself out of bed or have a job and be able to maintain that job and being able to just do the normal things that normal people do. Right. Yeah, is right. The day, the, the day to day structure was definitely assisted with medication, but I was overly medicated, I believe in the mm -hmm. sense of medication has come such a long way, right. In the past, yeah um, 20 years. Like I said, that was 1996, 97, I believe when I started, um, taking medication. So that was, you know, over 20 years ago. So I took medication until I got pregnant with my firstborn child. And at that point, I think there were still a lot of things that weren't as well understood now. So I don't know if I stopped taking medication when I found out I was pregnant, but I was one of those types that was on and off medication because one, my depression is very seasonal. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did not see a big help for me personally, um, with medication. I probably didn't have the right dosage or I didn't have 
the right type or, you know, some depression I don't think is 100% um, treatable with some people don't respond to the medication. So that is not up to me. That is a professional. Yeah. Personally, I I remember now you said, I remember you saying, yeah, you did not respond to the medication. It didn't help you. That's right. And that's when I asked you, do you have ADD? <laughs> like, no, because I heard somewhere where if you have ADD or something, like obviously not a professional here, which is why it's like, I can just say this, which is awesome. But it's like, no lawyer is going to come after me. Um, that you, that AD, like I've heard people say that, oh yeah, I have ADD and I tried depression medication and somehow like the SSRIs interact with the la 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 la. Um, That's so funny because I know you told me that when we were having a conversation yeah. um, in the past that, yes, I do have ADD. I've I, never hope I, been, I hope that I just outed you that way. <laughs> I've never been, di- I've never been diagnosed, self-diagnosed, self-diagnosed. ADD, but I know yeah. that I do have ADD. I'm not hyperactive, but I have never worked a nine to five. Well, maybe for like a summer job, but I've never worked a nine to five job. Yes. I've gone all these years without working a nine to five job and I've survived. Yeah. I I have worked. I've just worked alternative, not the normal average, I would say career path, but I don't think that my life was an average path to many. And, um, so I stopped going to college at just actually it was about the month I turned 21. I was so depressed in college. I couldn't get out of bed. Mm. I couldn't do the normal things that college students did. I still had severe social anxiety. So I didn't feel comfortable socializing all the time. I mean, I always had friends, but it was more on an intimate level. So, but the depression was so overpowering that I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't be the average college student and the, get the good grades like I did in high school because I was just so depressed. So with the advice and encouragement from my parents who were supporting me at the time, they suggested I take a break from college Mm -hmm. and I did. And I think a lot of that is where my shame came into play because not only was it like I was depressed and I had the anxiety, but I also felt like a failure from, um, from stopping going to school. And that was there with me for a really long time. That sense of incompleteness, that sense of failure, and mix with the depression and anxiety. It's been a really long journey, um, but nonetheless, there is a turning point to the to my story on how I got from being so sick where I couldn't get out of bed to just never having enough time in the day to do everything that I want to do so that I can serve people. So you went so from call so you were at home dealing with the shame. You're 21. Um, you know, I, I feel like I should ask this question just for shits and giggles, but what is it like, like when people say like, I just didn't get out of bed. I know what that looks like for me, but I just feel like, can you give me an example? I feel like because we're in this combat COVID-19 where people that have never experienced anxiety are experiencing it and maybe have struggled a little bit with anxiety and depression, but didn't really know, realize that they were. And then, or people that are struggling with it, um, are just facing, you know, I know what my issues look like and, um, and I can be very open about what that looks like for me, but would you mind describing like maybe what a day looks like for you when you say you were always in bed, like to somebody that, yeah. Like, what did that look like? Like, was it like, okay, I got up and I used the restroom. I ate something. And I went to back to bed or was it constantly talking to yourself? Let me just back up here. Okay. Anyone who has experienced depression in bed are literally some of the most strongest people you will ever meet. And that I can say in complete authority in that way, because I am that person. <laughs> like I get it. I've experienced it. 
And, um, and I know that I'm strong and I know that I'm mentally strong and, and the people like Carrie who have taken their life from that and excelled in ways that are helping other people. I mean, that's, we're going to talk about that, but just describing to someone who's never experienced that, I think it's important to touch on if you don't mind, like what did a day look like during that time? Well, honestly, I feel like I want to black out those days. So I'm not quite sure I recall them a hundred percent. Right. We always want to remember the good days instead of the bad days, but, and having depression throughout my life, I just think a lot of it was inconsistent sleep patterns, which I know that you've had, um, on the, this combat COVID-19 has talked a lot about the sleep, the, the sleep disturbances and sleep patterns, but it was a lot of inconsistent sleep. So, um, I would say, you know, you wake up at eight, you fall back asleep, you wake up at nine, you fall back asleep, you wake up at 10, you fall back to sleep and you just keep doing that. And because I, with my depression is very seasonal, I would say six months out of the year, I would throughout my twenties, I would be pretty depressed and then spring would come and I would have so much more energy. So I know there are a lot of, um, there's a lot of support for each and every type of depression, but that's what my depression looked like. And so in the shortest days out of the year, which in North America, where most people are watching, right? It's, um, October, November, December, January January. is when it really hits. And I have learned to manage that in a sense um, and shortening that period, but I still have that um, not wanting to get out of bed. And it looks like you just wake up and then you feel those bad feelings, those bad, you have bad thoughts, like, I don't want to do anything today. I just want to stay here. I don't want to socialize. I don't want to go to work, whatever it happens to be. It's just ruminating about negative thoughts, your negative feelings and your negative emotions. It's just zero energy. You don't have energy to do anything, not even really wanting to get out of bed to eat. Perhaps Um, this is what mine looked like. And crying, crying a lot, um, just crying for no really apparent reason. And that's, and just wishing that there were better days that I had more meaning and purpose to my life or meaning and purpose to my day, or just, it's just hopelessness. It's just helplessness. You don't feel like anything is really going to make I didn't really feel like anything was going to make me feel better. So throughout that, I was looking for happiness. That it was my number one goal from the first time I was diagnosed with depression. It was my number one goal in life is to find happiness. And I went about it in every single wrong way that any professional would tell you to do it. Right. Yeah, right. (laughs) Through thinking, if I move here, I'm going to be happy. If I do this, I'm going to be happy. You know, people think if I get a car, I'm going to be happy. If I get the perfect job, I'm going to be happy. If I meet the perfect person, I'm going to be happy. Um, I think that was where I was. Just thinking that if X happens, then I'm going to get to Z, which is happiness. Yeah. And that didn't quite happen, right? like that. (laughs) No, I would, I moved, let's say, you know, I moved and it didn't quite work. Um, I would do, I, I don't like pour yourself into certain things. It was a lot of self coping. I would say at the same time, it was a lot of doing the wrong behaviors like drinking or smoking or drugs, reckless behavior. I mean, I'm going to keep this PG, but it was a lot of reckless behavior in my twenties. Like a lot of young people think they're indestructible, but 
I was never attempted suicide, but I never really wanted to live throughout that time that I had such bad depression. So I never thought I was going to live a day past 30 because I just was really reckless. So take you up to more modern day every day and every year after 30. Now that I'm 40 something is like borrowed time, I feel like. And so it wasn't until I turned 30, I realized, oh my God, I made it to 30. Now I must do something else because I never thought I was going to be here. And then giving birth to my firstborn child was really the turning point. And that's when I realized, oh my gosh, I can no longer just barely survive because another being was dependent on me to grow and thrive. And at that point, I realized I can't be the quote depressed person that I identified with my entire life because it wasn't going to be of service to my child. And that really was the turning point. Yeah. Those dependents, man, they really depend on you (laughs) in every single way. every single way don't they and they um, make me cry for different reasons now sure. yeah yeah, it's a, <laughs> yeah sure yes it's a it's a purpose in and of itself for sure and that's like eight million different podcasts episodes about that but getting to where you are today as far as like having the children and then now you're helping people with their minds like your job you you you've your your book is out or is it's out this friday yes yeah uh pillars to positivity we'll have all the links to that but um i'll put that out on friday i guess i can just shoot that out or whatever um this would be a really good time to read something like that i think but uh, essentially depression became your purpose switching yes. that to that so let's walk through that now where you're like okay i'm not going to identify that as myself as in it's keeping me down i'm going to use it to actually pro- to propel me forward um let's start with that because you have some seriously amazing tips which i think we all definitely need to hear right now so where should we start So the pain to the purpose is now I realize I always knew that I was experiencing that pain for, to help other people yeah, and to inspire other people. And I made the shift when I started setting goals for myself. And that's why I'm really passionate about um, goal setting for myself and others, but finding that deeper meaning and I found the power of positivity, despite my dad talking about it, you know, my, um, everyone around me talking about gratitude and talking about positivity. And it doesn't mean that you have to be positive 100% of the time. It's quite the contrary. It's about feeling bad, feeling negative, feeling anxious or depressed. And really having the hope and having the faith and um, having the control to produce a a positive outcome out of any type of negative situation. And so that's when um, I went back to school finally at age 39, just to complete the story. And at that time, I took an elective called um, positive psychology. And the positive psychology was just, it was the light bulb that went off again. It was, this what it, is what I was missing because I was all along focusing on what I wasn't doing good when all I had to do was like slightly shift my um, binoculars to what I did that was really good. Yeah. And that's when I just had another aha moment. Like it is not about doing the things that I do poorly, where uh, focus goes, energy flows. So it's the power of where we focus is really what more of what we're going to create. And so for me, when I focus on I'm anxious, or I'm depressed, I feel more of that. When I focus on my purpose, which 
I've identified is to inspire people is when I feel the energy is when I feel um, like I have gas in my tank to drive it forward. So that is how I term actually positive mindset. It is about managing the internal negative dialogue and allowing that to have more control of the outcome. Um, you had mentioned the ABCs of positivity. What is that? So it is a theory based on um, Snyder's hope theory. And um, one of the leaders in positive psychology, Martin Seligman, has also implemented a play on the hope theory. And it is about adversity A plus B equals C. So adversity plus belief equals your consequence or um, consequence can also be termed like your result or mm -hmm. your outcome. So really it is about the belief behind your adversity that is going to create your C, consequence, result, outcome, feeling, energy, whatever that may be. So. Okay, wait, let's, wait, 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 let, let's pause that for a second because let's just take a literal example. Like today I come to you. It was a hard day for me. Um, so A would be adversity, which is, I don't want to homeschool. It's one of my greatest fears, honestly. And here I am. Okay. Adversity. That's adverse, right? And then belief. I believe, okay, first of all, it's like, I don't want to. And then I guess if I thought about it deeper, it'd be like, I'm really not going to be good at this. Okay. So then the consequences is, is, is that my output is kind of crappy. <laughs> I guess <laughs> that's your C, right? How was that? How but, is that ABC for you? Well, that's perfect. But okay. right there, your B <laughs> is that you're not going to be good at it, right? Right. It all goes wrong with the B, doesn't it? That it B. does. It's the B and word. Oh, it's the B. the B. When people realize how powerful not only the B, which is the belief, but I also sometimes implement a B as in the behavior, mm. um, but that's for another episode. So the belief is creating your crappy feeling, right? Yeah. So what if, yeah. how else could you term, I'm not going to be good at this? What about if you say they're like, no, this is the term they're lucky. I'm doing this. <laughs> They're lucky I'm sitting down with them doing this because reality is, is they are lucky that they have someone in their life that can sit down and do this with them. Because I'm thinking about all the parents that can't and, you know, if they walk away with learning a new word, well, they won, they won the day. I won the day for crying out loud. Um, I think one thing I wanted to touch on too, is that you've said, and I'm kind of like this too, is that a lot of people that struggle with anxiety and depression are actually perfectionists. And that has a huge implication to outcome because your belief in, well, that wasn't what I wanted. That's why I say like people that are, you know, really depressed and have anxiety, they're actually really super successful. It's just the way they go about doing it and believing what they believe. So I'm new to that stage. Honestly, I'm new to this stage, um, in, in my journey for sure. Um, and even doing this podcast, honestly, uh, the belief system of what the outcome, you know? So yeah, I, I felt like it was important to just kind of like do a little example. Um, well, I love that you brought up the perfectionism because when I was, you were at the B and you were trying to, you were thinking of a new belief that you could replace with it, that with. And I was thinking to give you a B would be a new belief was, I might not be perfect at this, but right. Or I might be doing it imperfectly, but at yeah. least they have me there to give them support. Yeah. Um, I don't think, and for me, I am a recovering perfectionist. So a lot of that is perfectionism shows up because of fear. And really that's oh. what drives all human behaviors, that fear, whether it is something big, fearful or small, fearful, like maybe you're fearful of being crappy at it. And so you're actually, you were telling yourself, I'm going to be crappy at this, 
but really you don't have to be good at it. You just have to try. You just have to realize it's not the perfect situation, but you're in a perfect, um, you have a perfect opportunity where you're not, you know, on the first line at the, you're not a first responder. You're not called to be outside of the home. You're maybe not also having to be on the phone all day or on zoom calls all day that you can be there with. Well, that's the thing is I feel like I should be perfect at it because I don't have those things to do. So that's where I get like down on myself a little bit because it's like, oh, you should be able to do this because you don't have those things to have to deal with. So it logically has to make sense to me. Like if you told me I have to be on the phone seven hours a day, well, obviously in my logical mind, I'm thinking, well, they obviously can't homeschool their kid because they're, you know, and obviously anyone who's listening, this applies to all jobs, all this, all that. I mean, we're just using this as a small example big example to me, but just, you know, like that's where the perfection thing comes in with me. I'm hard on myself because I do have the opportunity to do this. And because I've been given the opportunity, I'm wasting it by not being good at it. So, well, I wouldn't say wasting, but I will take, um, or the listeners through a little bit of how you can, um, evaluate the situation, how you can reframe it. Okay. Um, because that's really where I have found a lot of help, self help for myself is, um, through reframing. So the A is adversity, like homeschooling, the B is the belief, perhaps I'm going to be crappy at this, or I'm not going to be perfect. And so the C is you feel crappy, but we don't want to feel crappy, right? You deserve feel great. You deserve to be at least content or happy and as everyone does. And so if you're not feeling the right, if you're not feeling hundred percent, what I do is move on to the D, which is uh, oh, there's a D. There is a D. I'm going to take you all the way through the G to the G uh, quickly, because I know we're coming up at the top of the hour, but if anyone's listening, maybe they can go through from A to G. So um, the D is detach or disengage from that feeling because really we're not, our feelings don't define us, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Just because you feel crappy doesn't mean you are crappy. So take the feeling, the feeling of crappy. I say, put it in a box, right? Box it up, put a bow on it, wrap it up, and then set it like right next to you. Give it to someone and for so, Christmas. Yes, just like Christmas. <laughs> really, it is the gift. Okay, yeah. so um, disengage and detach from it. And then once it's right there next to you or across the room or in another room or even across the street, right? Yeah evaluate it, which you did, which you just, you did that on your own, evaluate that feeling and then move on to the, that's the E, the F is frame or reframe how that, um, belief could be more to your advantage. So reframing is just using different words to describe, right? What you did, what did you use? To reframe the belief, which I'm going to be crappy. You said Uh-oh. like, well, I'm doing the best I can. Yes. Um, given the fact that I didn't really want to homeschool. Like, it's not my thing. It's not my thing. Yes. And we're all just doing the best we can. So that is the F that's the frame. You're going to frame it that you're doing the best you, you can. So am I, I just have to keep reminding myself all throughout the day. I'm doing the best I can. Everyone's just doing the best they can. And um, to move on to having even more elevated feeling, you know, move on to the G, which is gratitude. Gratitude Mm. can be a cliche, but it really is one of the highest frequency um, energies that you can create is gratitude. Like you said, you have an opportunity to be there. You're very grateful that you're not pulled away, even though there can be maybe, you know, bad feelings associated to that. We really are gr- grateful that 
we're healthy, if you're at home with your kids, you have the opportunity to be there, whatever it is, if you're having a hard time with reframing a belief or um, a feeling, move on to gratitude and just keep changing the words until you feel good and create that consequence, consequential good feeling. We do have a, something on our fridge that um, gratitude changes attitude, you know, that kind of thing. And that does, that does help, you know. I think the weight of, um, you know, carrying yourself and carrying your kids' issues with that is makes things difficult that way, you know. But example, man, if, if I, if, even if I'm not teaching them, if, if it, or, you know, those around me or anything like that being an example, they do see that more than they actually see the product of what you're teaching them, you know? So I do agree with that. I think that's powerful. I think it's so powerful. Um, yeah, it's interesting because me being a believer in Christ and you saying that gratitude is the highest frequency, like that's so interesting, that energy that, that actually scientifically lines up, you know? Um, I don't know. I think that's pretty powerful. I think it's powerful for a lot of people with different religions and faith and all that kind of stuff, for sure. I think that's awesome. So but, gratitude um, and love yeah. are one of the highest frequency energies that we can create. It's scientifically proven. And so even I would say if, and when you don't feel good, it's just shower your kids with love, you know, shower yeah. yourself with love. And besides the gratitude, because our kids, ourself, we all just need that love and that comfort more mm -hmm. than anything. And it's yeah. going to, that's what they're going to remember. They're going to remember your love as a mom, that you were there for them more than anything that they're going to learn, you know, in school. So it's really put the weight. We have the opportunity to put the weight where we want it and put the yeah. focus on where we want it. And so when it can be love and gratitude, then we will produce more of that. And like you said, kids do what we do more than they do what we say. Yeah, I agree. They, I agree. Are you listening to kids? Are you listening to that? <laughs> I forget my kids are actually listening to this right now. <laughs> so that's funny um yeah i just i love everything you're saying uh so in your book, we did get a uh oh in the comments <laughs> okay so should we start to do the do we have questions let's do questions wait what did you say uh we got an hi mom uh that in the comments oh. <laughs> probably aimed at you so i wanted to pass that along <laughs> Hi, child. Hi, child. So far, we have not received any uh, questions um, from good. our viewers, but we have gotten a few uh, like, oh, this is so good uh, comments, which is great. Um, I think if people were listening along. Yeah. So do you, okay. So I wanted to mention too, um, do you talk about in your book, the uh, real quick, the, um, because I think like with people right now, like specifically just without jobs, without um, like in survival mode, um, I particularly do really well in survival mode, um, which is why this is so hard for me right now, because I'm in a, I usually do really well in fight or flight. Um, and so it's interesting for me to open up to like with anyone who's an entrepreneur or anyone that is just like, this is obviously not a small business situation uh, working for you. You know, it's like you're in you're in a hard, hard, hard survival spot. Um, you particularly also talk about just through your um, workshops and this kind of stuff, the struggling, the three stages of like struggling, surviving, and then thriving, like those three categories you've mentioned before. Um, and just, do you talk about that in your book or do you do that through workshops or, you know, for anyone, do you have a quick word for, people that are entrepreneurs or people that are struggling with their job, just what they could do now to kind of shift the, um, the crisis in their mind right now. Well, I think I touch upon the um, three stages and more personal development about 
struggling, surviving, and then thriving. But I think situationally, we all are in a struggle survival mode right now with the COVID-19. Yeah. And um, even those that maybe previously were, you know, doing the best they could in their life or thriving in their business, it's, um, you know, I even find myself in leaning back on maybe bad behaviors, like the inconsistent sleeping or the um, bad eating habits, you know, eating too much sugar, or um, just know that that is your body sort of in the fight or flight, I feel like. Um, And then a lot of people are either lose, lost their job, or maybe have fear that they're going to have a job in the future. And because I've trained my mind to really reframe any situation, because that's how I have found um, myself to be the happiest I can be. Like now is the most opportunistic time. I know it doesn't feel like it for some people, but it's just this, I want to give this ounce of hope that we are all in a calibration mode. We're all recalibrating. And especially if you've lost your job, it is so important, I feel like, to do the things that one we're really naturally good at. Um, to something that we're super passionate about. And that is, I don't term to our purpose or have a deeper meaning in our life. Because there are studies and studies when asking people, what is the most important part of your life when you come to the end of your life, right? And it really is, how did I make a contribution? And what did I do that was meaningful in my life. And the way that someone's going to find that is by applying why they're here on this earth or whatever you believe religiously. I believe we're all here for a reason and we're all good at some things. And when we do more of those, we're gonna feel happier, we're gonna feel healthier, we're gonna feel aligned and we're going to feel like we're thriving. We're going to wake up energized and we're not going to want to go to bed at night because it's something that you really want to do, whether it is painting or write a book or, um, you know, photography, whatever it is that you really love to do. We're at this time where you can do that and you could actually make a living from it too. Yeah. Um, And so I do have this unique gift also to see the beauty in people and to realize their human strengths. There are assessments for that, but to realize their value in the world and why they're here. And so I just want to inspire people to realize that you can do your passion. You can do what you've always wanted to do because, um, you know, what you've done in the past might not be, you might not be able to do that in the future. Um, And even if you can in your job or your career, why not do something that you want to do in retirement now Yeah, and be happy and healthier while you're doing it? That's awesome. Carrie, um, I just, I love hearing you talk about all this stuff. You're just a wealth of information um, and positivity, shall I say, I just, I appreciate your words and, you know, you'd be opening up about how you got to this point, um, as well. And, um, you know, wrapping up, I just, uh, are there any more, are there any questions before I wrap up? No. Okay. So just in closing, um, Carrie is reachable. Um, I'll have, I'll have her website and that kind of stuff. If you need some guidance, um, I think one thing that just ending is that you, you know, now is an opportunity for you to, you know, change things up. And what the world is telling you right now is that you have to, because we're all 
you know, we're used to controlling our environment and now that environment is trying to control us. And so we're going to take that and try to control it again. And we're going to reframe what is happening to us to reframe it positively, positively. Um, and I think we're kind of all in that in-between stage where it's just like, what the, what is happening and what am I going to do to move forward? So Carrie, thank you for, um, your words and your time. Um, we all appreciate it. And you're, you're, we'll, post everything. Um, those who are new to this topical life, you can subscribe on Instagram. Um, I'm on, I have a Facebook page. I will, we will post those as well. So you can just click right to it, but there are lots of stories, um, and people's life testimonies and, um, to help you through this time and, um, anytime down the road. So anyway, Apple podcast, Spotify, Google play, uh, stitched. I don't know what other pod bean. That's another one. Um, they're all out there. I'm all out there. So anyway, thank you for listening and, uh, we will talk to you soon. You've been listening to this topical life with Tiffany Murphy available through Podbean, iTunes, and Google play. Look for us on Instagram and Facebook donations to help support this topical life can be made through Patreon at patreon.com front slash this topical life likes and comments are always appreciated and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode we'll see you next time for more real conversation real exploration real life stories on this topical life because life ain't a vacation <laughs>